Hi, I'm Edgar Brown, CEO of FIT, and welcome to The Process. At FIT, we believe in empowerment through fitness because your health is truly your greatest asset. Each episode will bring you conversations from expert trainers and personalities who share their own fitness journeys and how they were able to grow in the four pillars of health, being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. We really want you, the audience, to learn from the stories of these individuals and in doing so, create your own process for becoming a better you. Greg, we're very happy to have you here today. Uh, Thank you for coming to share your story with us. Most of the listeners would probably already be familiar with the name, uh, Greg Hetherington. Uh, He played professional football for the BC Lions and was also drafted to the Calgary Stampeders in 2007 for the CFL. Uh, After all of these accomplishments through sport, he decided to share his health and wellness journey through public speaking and has taken his firsthand professional knowledge to build his own fitness and training facility, Fuel Training Club, in 2013. And this is a personal training, class-based fitness club specializing in strength, high-intensity interval training, and athletic training. Today, it's one of Toronto's leading gyms that has successfully expanded to three locations. So thank you very much for coming by today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the intro as well. No problem. Um, so just to start off, uh, you went to McGill and you graduated in 07 with a degree in kinesiology. Mm-hmm, Where right. did that uh, passion for athletics start? I think, well, the passion for athletics has been like a lifelong journey. I was just, I pulled out some, some old yearbooks in elementary school. I had a grade eight grad photo with a uh, depiction of, you know, future profession and it said athlete behind it. I guess, you know, at that point I was doing well in gym class and that's sort of what I decided that, that pursuing athletics might be the, uh, the right direction and going with my strengths. But from a education standpoint it wasn't until I think it was my last second last year in high school where we had a kinesiology class and I didn't know what the word meant didn't know what it was it's kind of scared because like great another science I need to take and uh and then got into it and and, and the study of human movement I was like wait a minute this is actually something that I enjoy doing in school and uh and not that I didn't enjoy doing anything else, but it was just it was a, a subject which I had passion for. So I uh, got interested in that and realized that it actually was also a course you could take in university. Because at that point, like many students finishing high school who are unsure what they're going to major in and, and might be thinking, well, if I don't know now. I'm not going to be able to get a job afterwards. And, you, you know, all of these these questions, I thought, well, this seems pretty easy, naturally going from gym class to learning about human movement and now studying at university. And uh, the more I got into it um, and combined the education side to the actual competitive side, I think the, the deeper I got into the whole of sport, not just competing and playing, but also understanding how things work, how the body works. And uh, I think I haven't looked back since then, and that's still where I'm going now. That's really interesting. Um, I find that most athletes just focus on competition through their sport. So like playing as much as possible, um, putting in hours in the gym, but not necessarily thinking about the science behind it. And so a lot of things like rest, uh, recovery, flexibility, mobility Mm -hmm. get neglected. Do you find that your uh, academic background changed the way that you approached your sport? Absolutely. I think typically as an athlete, you're told what to do by a trainer 
and you just take it face value. You know, if your trainer tells you or your coach tells you, it must be the right thing to do. And I found myself in those situations, not questioning people, but questioning why it was and figuring out, okay, why is stretching good? Why should I do this warm up? Uh, why, why are cold tubs maybe not the most enjoyable thing to do at first, but could be beneficial? Um, I remember in, in one of the classes I had, it was the, the research was just coming out for um, dynamic stretching before warm ups. I mean, I'm sure this had been out for a while, but it's still, and to this day, it's not common practice everywhere yet that you shouldn't be st- uh, stretching statically or holding a stretch before you work out. In high school for sports, that was a typical warm up, right. and you know, and and then all of a sudden this dynamic stretching, and I was like, okay, this makes more sense. You know, your muscles are like elastic bands. You know, you don't need to overstretch them. You need to start to loosen them up, warm them up, so they can be more efficient. So I think in in that regards, um, I started to understand why we were doing things more, and and that helps you optimize your training as well. Um, and and it's funny that you mentioned rest and recovery because university that wasn't really you know sleep rest and recovery wasn't really a thing you know recovery was you know football you you play a game a week so your recovery was just not playing football every week but you know being a student practicing going out that that just you know you didn't think about that playing a a factor um and and nowadays i think that's where it's really uh evolved is the focus now for a lot of sports is what is your rest and recovery um, and again, understanding why I think again drives my my pursuit of that knowledge. Yeah, definitely. Um, even for us, so so playing with the the McGill uh, basketball team when I was there, there was always like a a balancing act between training, training, um, obviously doing your film sessions and uh, weights and all of the other things that complement mm-hmm. it, but also that rest. Although that did get neglected <laughs> quite a lot. I just, it also just wasn't emphasized. It wasn't something, it wasn't a point of topic amongst coaches, you know, or, or, um, even, even trainers like, you know, recovery. Yes. You know, you need to recover from an injury. Like that's sort of how you looked at it. Uh, but you know, it it really is, it's one of those things much like many other aspects. Like why do you do certain phases of a strength program? So lifting heavy, lifting lighter, um, speed, why do you do some where you're doing fast, slower, uh, and, and, sometimes you just do it and you don't really understand why. And I think getting to the roots of why that works, it helps you appreciate what you're doing and it allows you to to essentially become a better athlete, I believe. Yeah, no, I think it would be really good, honestly, to have more of that incorporated, like at the beginning, even just at the beginning of the season for someone to come in and run through all of these things. And I think they're starting to do that, but there's, there's still some changes I would say could be made there. I wish I had the knowledge, you know, 17 years ago when I first started playing at, at McGill, I wish I had that knowledge that I have now on all of this. And not to say, I mean, I, I, I was fairly durable, so I wasn't getting injured. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, how much faster could I have run? You know, uh, how much more could I have helped the team with understanding recovery and, and being a better athlete? So, I mean, there's all these, you know, looking back at it, but you're absolutely right. Teams now, and I think this is one of the, although a completely separate topic, one of the reasons why Canadian sports is getting so much better is that now at the grassroots program, we're getting that knowledge and these coaches, these coaches coming in that have an understanding of what needs to be done to, to optimize an athlete, you know, not specializing kids too early in sport, making sure they're getting recovery, um, you know, understanding the importance of doing other movements outside of your sport. Like these are things that, I didn't have growing up playing basketball, hockey, any other sport, you know, you just, you went out and recess and had fun. Mm -hmm. And you find that that's changing now for Canada versus the U S 
I, I think, you know, it's, I hate to say it, but we're catching up with the U S I just think coaching funding, uh, sports was a bigger part of culture and, and has been for the, for the U S and, and you can see that just in the major sports that you have there, you know, high school football in, in the U S if you were to compare it to, to hockey, right. In Canada, I still think high school football in the U S is probably a bigger deal than, than hockey at the level. But mind you, you know, we're still extremely passionate about hockey. It's just from a cultural standpoint, you get more people that want to learn how to win and, you know, any, any way that you can win ethically, you know, especially through sports science is going to help your team. And I think that just has, has driven people to, uh, to start at a younger age, um, start teaching at a younger age or coaching at a younger age and, and understanding what it is, uh, that it takes to be better. Yeah, definitely. And it's the same with, uh, with basketball in the States versus here, as you said, the funding, the, the, the focus on winning, because I guess, like when you're already in the States, uh, I feel like the goal of everywhere else is to get to the States. <laughs> right. But when you're already there and you see the potential upside um, at the end of the day, as along with, of course, the passion for your sport, uh, it's difficult to compete with that as another yeah. uh, as another country. You can, but we're, we're getting there. And I think that's, I, I mean, just look look at the, the basketball talent that Canada's throwing out now. And the number of, of uh, Canadians going down to the U.S. to play football, like there's a lot more guys going to prep schools now. You know, when I was in high school, I didn't even know what a prep school was. Um, the junior colleges that, that help provide that level of coaching that you just, you don't get in a lot of programs in Canada. Um, but of course, you know, with hockey and some other sports, you, you'll stay in Canada because the competition here is just as good, if not better than it is anywhere else in the world. Yeah, definitely. Um, on, on that note, so you decided to stay in Canada, basically through McGill. Um, I saw you got, uh, the record for the fastest Dutch touchdown. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. One of those <laughs> random records, right? It was, uh, you, uh, that, that, and I, re- I remember that well because it was all credit goes to our coach. I mean, if it was a different receiver in that position, they would have had that, that record. It was, that was just a tribute to, uh, game film, studying game film and, understanding what they were going to do on the first play. So it was essentially, yeah. it was the first play of the game. Okay. The safety who usually covers the deep part of the field is, is aggressive. And we had the tendency to run on the first play. Yeah. So we just called the play action, which, which is a run fake, fake pass or a fake run to a pass. And, uh, safety came down just like our, our coach had said, and <laughs> two seconds into the game. Yeah. Wide open. <laughs> so didn't really have to do much except just run in a straight line Yeah. and, and listen to a coach. Yeah. That's funny. Um, so, but anyways, just from there, so playing uh, McGill football and then transitioning to the CFL, can you walk me through that that path? Honestly, and I think most people who've played football would say this: the transition from high school to college football was much greater than college football really? to the CFL, and it's just it was a big jump. Now, this is it. It might be a little bit less so in in the U.S. just because of you know high school football is much more competitive than it is here. Uh, but I but I found that you know going from from playing McGill to the next level, it was just it was a level of confidence. You know, you're playing the same sports, balls the same, uh, fields the same size. Like it's just you're now playing against Division One athletes, NFL athletes, and coming from a Canadian college, you if you don't have that confidence, then you're thinking, how am I going to compete with these guys who have either played a couple years in the NFL or had these these they're blue chip recruits that might not have gotten the best opportunity in the NFL so they're getting another shot in the CFL and you know after you get beat up a couple times by some guys that are legitimate world class athletes you start to chip away and realize wait a minute I'm 
just as good as these guys, if not better than some. And you, uh, and, and you just, that confidence starts to build. And, uh, I think that that's really, that was the biggest change. Whereas going from high school to college, you got to learn nomenclature, you know, all the different, all of a sudden you're doing game film and you're, uh, you're having to read these huge textbooks that are playbooks, uh, understanding. And that's more or less the same when you go from, from college to, to the next level. So yeah, that transition was really, I remember the first, it was a mini camp. Mini camps are used as a recruiting tool for teams. So before they invest in a player, um, they'll bring you into a, a recruiting camp. So draft picks or people that go undrafted will come so they can see, you know, who their investments, see how they go. And the first play I went up against a, uh, he pro bowler and super bowl winner uh brandon browner who played with the seattle seahawks who's just a, a a freak athlete to begin with and he knocked me over right off the start and i got to, and he wouldn't let me get back up and i remember being like oh man this is all right <laughs> i'm probably on the next flight out of here tomorrow so but a couple plays after that started to uh started to chip away at it and then the confidence goes up and then i realized you know this is less to do about me physically and more to do about me emotionally and, and mentally having the mindset that there's a reason why I'm here and you know I might as well compete the way that I know how to yeah uh, I really like that point on mindset and confidence um, I think that that's one way that that sports has really affected me um, so when uh, I was in high school I had a stress fracture to my spine spondylolysis um, and basically was immobilized for three months or so and kind of had to work back from that. And I'm sure you know, as any athlete, like injury is the toughest thing to deal That's with. That's a pretty serious one though, too. So Yeah, no, it definitely was. Um, but coming back from that gives you uh, the mindset and the confidence that can be applied to other areas. And for me, it's been one of the, the things that's been the foundation for every everything else that I do. Absolutely. I think, if anything, football uh, provided that confidence, that mindset, to go on to every other aspect of life, knowing that you can approach challenging situations where you might not think you have a chance. And then all it is is effort going forwards and doing it. So I, I really do believe that for, for me, it was a great experience playing playing football, playing professionally, uh, getting to compete against you know, some of the world's best athletes. Um, but, it, you know, I finished 10 years ago, right? And uh, it was transferring that those skill sets you know being a receiver into a, a professional business isn't necessarily something that transfers over but the confidence you need to play at that level is and i think yeah the mindset is a is a a big benefit to to playing sports at all levels not just a professional level but it just it helps you with confidence too definitely um could you walk uh, me and the listeners through that transition from uh, the cfl to to going on to start the business Right. Uh, I think so I started personal training while I was fortunate enough to meet a um, another former receiver. This is when I was in Calgary and he was very successful receiver uh, and then also very successful entrepreneur. He started his own uh, business in Calgary as a personal trainer. And one of the coaches saw similarities between he and I. He said, hey, I should hook you guys up because he had been retired since then and met with him. And started personal training at his gym. Started doing that uh, after practice during during the summer. And f- for me, it was good because I was able to play football and start doing um, the personal training at the same time. Uh, so it wasn't what happens a lot of time with athletes is it ends unexpectedly, whether it's an injury or you get cut or or whatnot. 
And it's sort of like, oh, I got to pivot. Now I got to go real life. So I was fortunate enough to really have more of a, a gradient transition into, into that, that professional world of fitness. And then coming to Toronto was able to apply those skill sets, learn with more responsibility, managing a personal training studio. And it was from there when I realized I wanted to find something between what athletes are doing, which is one niche market and something between what I was doing personal training, which is another niche market. And that's the small group training. And there, there, you know, CrossFit had been emerging at that point in time. It was still relatively unknown. There might've only been a couple in Toronto at that point in time. Um, you had boot camps, uh, you know, as far as strength training for fitness enthusiasts, as opposed to strength training for athletes that hadn't yet been established, uh, approaching it like a personal training environment, as opposed to a boot camp, where it's just, here's what you do, you know, go on your own, have fun. It's more, here's instruction, here's a knowledge, knowledge based approach to why you should do it. And all of these things started clicking while I was personal training, I had my best experiences training when I was when I was playing with a group, you know, when we were out on the field, well, you know, the field, uh, running those bleachers at, at Molson stadium, as crazy as it, it sounds, well. thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sprinting on the field there, going to the varsity weight room. Like that was, that was like social hour, right? But you were getting work done as well. And we all saw huge progress throughout the summer. And yes, the training program was great. We had a great, um, track coach, um, strength coach, but ultimately, I believe it's because we all enjoyed being there. Everyone showed up. Someone wasn't there on time. We held each other accountable. Accountable. It wasn't a coach. And it's because we knew, again, transferring this, this accountability mindset that if we were all there enjoying ourselves and we just did the work, that we were going to see progress. So I think taking that and applying it into a small group training environment but also a business uh, was, was less different um, than I thought it would be. It's like, well, let's just take what I've already been doing and apply it to a business. And then it's just that leap of faith, you know, is it going to work? Uh, and then, yeah, it's been seven years now since took that leap. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, definitely the, the, the community side, the team side is, is huge, um, through any challenge, right? Uh, so if you take like a, a sports team, you have your, your goal, which is to get, let's say a championship or to win X game. And then you're just doing all the work together in order to get to that point. And then with a business, you're doing the same thing. Uh, you have a certain vision for what you will want to accomplish for you uh, being that link between the athletes, the fitness enthusiasts and the functional strength training. Um, and you need to lead people towards that vision, but everyone's doing it together. So from your own team, like the fuel training team, as well as like the community of people that you're developing, I really like that point of doing things together. It is. Yeah, it absolutely very much a team environment. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more there. Okay. Um, also on that point, um, how, how do you find challenges in business have been similar or different to challenges in athletics? I think the ups and downs is the is the one where you see the most similarity. You know, sometimes things are going well, sometimes things aren't, and you know how you cope with those is important. Uh, coming from, a, I still had and sort of an old school coach approach to a lot of my my sports. So it was a lot of yelling, a lot of discipline, a lot of laps. You know, like that's again not something else that's emerged. It might not be the most productive physically and emotionally for kids growing up with sports, but um, I think. I still benefited from that. It was, you had this, this authoritative figure that helped the team 
approach any challenge as if it can be accomplished. You just all have to have the, the same mindset. So whether you're it's going well, you can't become complacent. And if it's not going well, you can't just sit back and say, oh, well, there's not much else I can do. So it, taking taking that approach to the ups and downs has been everything I've been doing since day one. And I, the most memorable story was our opening weekend. I remember it was May 11th, the day after my birthday, 2013. We just opened up barely, and we had classes that weekend. They were all full. Uh, it had just been a whirlwind between building the gym out, uh, building a brand, and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, now it's game day. Now people got to show up. So people were there, and I was like, fantastic, but we were offering free classes. And I remember that Monday morning was the first morning where there's no more free classes. We didn't have anyone coming into class. And I look at wow. the schedule. There's no one booked into classes. I'm like, oh, man, what did I get myself into here? Uh, and I was like, well, all right here time, time to get to work so then that's where it was just you know working with a couple people a lot of the time those classes were personal training classes it was myself or one of our other trainers just working one-on-one -on -one. and then it was you know one-on-two and then one-on-three and then it started to grow and and build some steam but I think not losing sight of what that goal was to uh for us it's how can we help people be better at scale and and just keep working with each individual um, as if it were a personal training session, regardless of the number of people in the class. And since then, there have been highs and lows, and and they you know sometimes they go on a daily cycle, sometimes they go on a monthly cycle, uh, and it's just important to take each one with stride. Definitely, um, that point about uncertainty, especially at the beginning of starting, like let's say an entrepreneurial venture, or any anything kind of outside of sports so transitioning from that to uh to something else i had a really interesting conversation with uh with kenneth Fareed on uh on friday that was the uh the athlete tech summit okay um yeah. so that that's an event where uh nba players are invited to toronto uh to learn about tech investing in early stage startups um and kenneth Fareed was talking about how um Athletes at that level, obviously, you're super focused on winning and you've essentially like your expectation for sports is I put an X amount of work, I'm going to see this result. So being comfortable with failure in that way towards the achievement, whereas then when he started to try and do stuff off the court and got like a somewhat negative response, he felt super um like down about it because he's so used to okay we failed to get here but now let's say he posted something about doing something in esports because he's probably going to be signed as a as an esports uh which uh, is another topic well, which is crazy which right is a now, crazy yeah. topic right <laughs> um but not necessarily getting the same response at first definitely getting it later on as he becomes more authentic but at the beginning it, it really is difficult to make that transition so i was wondering how that was for you yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, any transition is just the unfamiliar space. You know, you don't know what's going to happen next. You get so comfortable doing the same thing over and over again, that stepping outside of your comfort zone, uh, becomes uh, a form of stress. And as you said, you know, I, for, for us, you know, I, I try to promote that failure in a gym, in a fitness scene is actually success for your overall health, right? Like you need to perform reps, not necessarily to crippling failure where you fall over with the bar, but so that you can't do another one, or you need to be able to run at a certain speed or distance so that you couldn't run a little bit more. And if you don't fail at those distances, you don't, you don't get better anyway. And I think you can just, you can apply that to every aspect in life. If you don't challenge yourself outside of your comfort zone, you're never going to expand. And, and that's, 
really an important part. And, and we see it. a lot of people, again, going, coming back to mindset, people come into a gym because physically they want to improve. I mean, there's definitely a shift now, a great shift moving towards the emotional side, mental fitness, so to speak. Uh, but you know, a lot of people's mindsets are when they come in, they need to be able to complete every rep and they need to be able to finish a run for three minutes, let's say. But hey, if you if you fail because you couldn't do any more halfway through, that's that's success in your overall health. And it takes sometimes just some coaching to to communicate that because not everyone has an athletic background and realize that you need to experience that to improve. You know, teams that win all the time probably in the long run don't benefit as much as teams who share a little bit of both. You know, they realize that there's something they have to work harder on because they've lost. You know close game and there's something else you could have done. And, uh, you know, what do you do next time to prevent that from happening? Same with fitness. You know, you want to run for two minutes. Last time you, you failed at a minute and a half, what else? you just got to keep working. And, and, uh, so yeah, that, that, that failure aspect mindset and, and really emotional or mental fitness is really important. Definitely. Um, how do you, cause I was, I was checking the, the other events that are coming up that, uh, I see hit the sixes mm-hmm. in, uh, is in September. That's definitely an event where you're pushing yourself uh, both physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. So why did you decide to start that and how has that evolved over time? Yeah, Hit hit the Six has been, so this is going to be our our biggest year doing it. And it's almost become uh, almost like another another side gym. And I'm excited about that because we have an opportunity to reach a lot more people. And that really has been the, the goal from day one. And it's one of four fitness events that we do in the year, but it's the, it's the biggest one we do. And it's also a collaborative event where we have, there's, there's eight gyms together. And normally in, in a business setting, you know, we'd be competing against each other. Different people are going to different fitness spaces. But um, we all understand the benefit of collaborating. We're all locally um, owner-operated boutique fitness studios. And there's, there's a lot more competition ramping up in the city with the big brands that are coming in. And this is an opportunity to showcase not only what we have to offer, but also how we can get the fitness community in Toronto together to support a greater cause than just a single gym. And uh, last year, it was our third year doing it. We had 250 people raise $10,000 for the Princess Margaret Cancer Center. And this year, we're trying to double that goal. So we're trying to get to 500 people to participate, raise $20,000 again for the Princess Margaret uh, Cancer Center. So for us, doing it now and coming into our fourth year, we realize the only way that we can accomplish these goals is by working together. And the workout is a little bit like that too. It's a, it's not a competition in any means, but you've got, uh, we're going to have five workouts or five stations, so to speak. And there's going to be, you know, 50 to hundred people per station, a couple trainers there, and you're going to do your thing for about 15, 20 minutes, and then you're going to hydrate and get to the next station, move through it. So yeah, people are going to sweat. They're going to have a good time, but ultimately it's at the end of the day, raising funds for a, a great cause, but also coming out and having a good time. Yeah, no, that seems like an amazing event, and I'll be <laughs> sure to try to make it. Great. Um, I really like that idea on collaboration. Um, I think that especially within the fitness community, everyone has the same goal, right? Like we're trying to empower people through fitness. We're trying to help them push themselves towards achieving whatever goal they have, um, whether that be physical or mental or just taking control of their life. And I think that uh, these fitness communities in Toronto, but 
in in any city uh, anywhere in the world should really focus on that as opposed to competing for clients. At the end of the day, you just want to improve people's lives. Um, that's a large part of the reason, honestly, why the uh, why we started this company um, in that we want to bring that style of collaboration online as well, because a lot of it is being done uh, offline. That's why um, like a person coming onto the app can see a variety of trainers. It's not just one trainer, um, because if they're active, that is the goal at the end of the day, yeah, regardless absolutely. of who they're uh, of whose content they're doing. Yeah, I, yeah, that's, I mean, if we can get people moving more often, learning how to do it correctly, I mean, that's ultimately why we got into it. Well, for me, getting into the business in the first place. Um, you know, we're not a bank. We're not an insurance company. You know, there's, there's, there's definitely a different approach to what we, we do. It's not that other financial institutions or other businesses are not doing it for the right reasons. It's just, for me, movements, uh, getting people to learn how to do things, how to move correctly, that, that's, that's the goal. Definitely. Um, tell me, what's next for you and for Fuel Training Club over the next five years or so? Right. Well, if we accomplish this uh, 520,000 goal, I think we're going to, we really want for hit the six. Um, we want to make this a big scale event. So for us, it's, uh, you know, if we can, if we can have it at Rogers Center or BMO Field and, you know, host 10,000 people uh, and have a, you know, a $1 million goal to, to raise funds for, for a charity. That's sort of, that's what we want this event to become. The, the entire city uh, coming together, participating in a workout. We'll figure out the logistics when that time comes because it sounds outrageous right <laughs> now, but uh, we'll make it work. Uh, so I think that's what's next from, from the collaboration standpoint. Um, from the Fuel Training Club, it's, you know, how can we continue to find people out there that that need and want our help to to move better enjoy movement and as many athletes as there are in the community not everyone either participated or, or grew up wanting to to play sports or or working out so how can we show people how it's fun and and provide that community aspect you come in it's not the typical i'm going to run on a treadmill for 30 minutes maybe put on my headphones or read a book it's you're going to come in. You're going to engage socially, physically, emotionally, and uh, you're just going to you're going to feel great at the end of it. And you know your your fitness, both mentally and emotionally, is going to improve too. Yeah, no, all of that is amazing. Um, I really enjoyed this uh, this talk and hearing about all of your background. I'm sure the listeners did as well. Um, for every participant who comes on the podcast, uh, we ask them one question. Uh, about empowerment because again a fit is founded on the principle of empowerment through fitness um, as I said before allowing people to push towards whatever goal they so choose uh, wherever they are at any point and so our question for each uh, visitor is what does empowerment mean to you I think empowerment is the the opportunity uh, whether it's you you create it yourself or it's provided um, to accomplish something. And, and if you have that platform to make something work and you're, you're in control of its success or failure. And I think if you can provide, if you can empower people to, to have that, that opportunity, then it doesn't matter what field they're in or what they're doing. They'll have the opportunity to succeed. Definitely. Great answer. Great, uh, great conversation. Definitely really enjoyed that. I'm sure the listeners Likewise, did as well. Yeah. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me, Greg Hetherington, on uh, on social media, on Instagram, uh, Fuel Training Club, uh, across all media platforms. 
Uh, it's, you know, nowadays it's great. You don't need to say www or doc. You just need to say the name and be able to search it. So yeah, fuel training club, uh, Greg Hetherington and, uh, hit the six as well is, uh, is another one where you can find us. And that's, uh, H I I T is in high intensity interval training. And then of course the trendy six with the, the number six IX. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Greg, for coming by. All right. Thanks, Edgar. We really enjoy bringing you these stories because at the end of the day, each person has a unique journey and why not share that with the world? We could all stand to learn from one another because each individual path has lessons in it that we can take and apply to our own lives. The process is produced by Fit, a mobile streaming platform for in-home fitness classes. We thrive on giving people the ability to make one step towards their goals every day by taking on new challenges in their personal fitness journeys. We're excited to welcome you to the Fit family, so download our app on the App Store today. Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode of The Process.